time With a cool attitude About the new worship feels We'll worship both morning and night I said enthusiastic not only are we eating in a restaurant on the Lord's Day, we're eating at Chili's. But I digress. So I guess two sins took place. I don't know, but you get three free sins. Nothing loves it like liturgy does. Nothing can. I can take the hills like liturgy does. Everybody, this is Doug Servan. I'm one of the co-hosts for iHeartPCA, the podcast we're talking about the Presbyterian Church in America, the denomination that Justin and I and others find ourselves in, some by choice, some maybe not. And uh, we're trying to talk about what's good and right and wonderful and beautiful and amazing. And uh, Justin, good to see you. My co-host, Justin Edgar. What's up, Justin? What's up, Doug? How are you doing, man? It's going okay. I'm calling in from Baltimore, Justin. I'm, I'm here in Albuquerque, man. Good to, good to see you. Good, yeah. So I was talking to our friend Hansu yesterday, and oh, yeah. um, I asked him who his favorite Oriole, Baltimore Oriole, baseball player is. So I wanted to ask you, Justin, who you are, who yours is, and then I have one that our guest is going to know about for sure. So I think man, there's some good Orioles, man. Um, I think uh, Jim Singleton. Do you remember him? No. He was one of my favorite Orioles. Played in the late seventies and eighties, and uh, yeah, I love I loved Singleton. He was great. And why did you like him? Uh, I don't know. I just thought he was a a good good baseball player. I think he played uh, outfield, right field, maybe. Um, I also liked Eddie Murray. He was a good or I mean, everyone's going to say Cal Ripken. I think. Uh, Frank All Robinson. time great Oriole. Yeah, Frank Robinson. Brooks Robinson. We want the yeah. obscure one, so you got an obscure one. So do I. Mm-hmm. My favorite Oreo of all time is Jim Traber. Uh, Jim, I don't know Traber Jim Traber played baseball and football at Oklahoma State University. He didn't uh. play very much football at OSU. And he played for the Orioles maybe two, three years, not very long, with Cal Ripken, though. And then he went to Japan. And so, Justin, you've got to Google Jim Traber rushes the mound. Okay. It's a wonderful video that you're going to love. And um, in so in Japan, when you hit a player, if the hitter rushes the mound, the, the pitcher runs away back into the outfield. 
And so Jim Traber runs after this guy into the outfield until he finally tackles him. And then uh, he, the way he says it is the manager kicked him in the face. So later in the inning or after the game, he, he rushes the manager and then falls right beforehand. And the, the, the manager hits him in the face again. So anyway, Jim Traber, my favorite Baltimore Oriole. Hey Jim out there. Love to talk to you on our podcast. We'd love to have you on. Love you on the sports animal. And that brings us, Justin, to our guest who has a lot to say about this very topic. Really? The sports animal and Oklahoma sports. I, I was actually hoping uh, you would say Ryan Miner, who is a graduate of the University of Oklahoma and replaced Cal Ripken Jr. when he took his first day off. Hey, say- well, guess what? You get to talk about that. Bobby Griffin. So no, glad to hear your voice, Bobby. So glad to see your face. Thanks for joining us. Where are you calling in sure. from, Bobby? Uh, I am calling in from my warm office in the sleet, snowy weather of Western Pennsylvania at Westfield Presbyterian Church in Newcastle. And mm. tell us about Newcastle real quick. Give us a uh, so my wife Jennifer is from Newcastle. It's a small uh, deindustrialized town about forty five minutes uh, northwest of Pittsburgh, closer to Youngstown, just a little bit west of Youngstown, and about an hour and fifteen minute drive to Cleveland. So right in the middle of nowhere sort of and in the middle of a couple major cities we seem to have a western pennsylvania theme going bobby because we talked with megan fowler recently and and you and i saw megan fowler out in this field somewhere back in october yeah and i see the fowlers quite a bit good so um you got any sports animal favorite so ryan minor is a good oriole but uh Oklahoma sports. Yeah. Yeah. What, a, uh, I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma and, uh, absolutely idolized OU sports, uh, of all sorts. Um, remember Barry Switzer, uh, the famous football coach at OU have a first edition, first print of his autobiography. Um, been to tons of OU games and uh, graduated from the University of Oklahoma with my PhD in history. Taught there. Uh, yeah. Uh, been to Thunder Games. We had that, uh, it was about 10 years ago, a week ago, Doug, that you and I had uh, Barry Switzer's seats at an Oklahoma City Thunder game back when the Thunder actually had decent basketball players. Uh, who were all stars, and we saw Durant and Westbrook and all those guys play. Yeah, hey, you guys got Giddy now, and uh, he's he's going to be great. And then he'll get traded away by Sam Presti, and everyone will say, "Look at what a genius Presti is!" And his genius at saving money, uh, maybe not a genius at getting rings. So and he Justin, does have a lot of draft picks. He does. Yeah. Justin, he does. you have Russell Westbrook. How's that? You like that? That's not going too great, Doug. Not going too great. Although he did have his best game of the year, I thought, uh, against Utah the other night. So maybe, maybe there's some hope. We'll see if it works. Bobby, give us a little more of a running start. 
maybe without the sports on how you got to where you are. Give us a little, you're from Oklahoma. Give us, you know, how'd you get here? Yeah. So, uh, I grew up in Oklahoma city, right outside of Oklahoma city, really, but really, uh, church school, all that stuff revolved in Oklahoma city, very independent Baptist King James. Mm. Uh, you might say fundamentalist, uh, me too. Me too. Bobby. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be a lot of people mm-hmm. and very Bible belty, uh, graduated from my small Christian school in the nineties, uh, headed off to, uh, uh, the school? ever you skipped the ever that? open I'm headed there headed off to the ever open minded Pensacola Christian College for undergrad yeah uh, yeah Whoa. how did I not uh, know this yeah and here was what was crazy is that I grew up sort of like uh, fundamentalist with tulip right. And then going to a fundamentalist that said like tulip, tulip is like the worst thing possible. Totally. Uh, I ended up graduating college in like three and a half years because I just wanted to get the heck out um, because I just didn't enjoy myself. And so uh, I rushed through my program uh, as quickly as possible and then kind of floundered around after college for a couple of years. Uh, And in my early twenties just had, you know, I want to say this, I think I may have uh, deconstructed before deconstruction was cool and uh, um, was having this crisis of faith and confidence when I was about, I don't know, 22, 23 and uh, kind of stripped everything back. And then, uh, started hanging out with some Presbyterians, uh, some charismatics, uh, some non-Christian folk, and then wound up finding myself, uh, it's kind of funny and I'll be quick. Uh, wound up finding myself in a Presbyterian church, a PCA church. Um, I went to this tiny PCA church that was like 35, 40 minutes from Oklahoma city and it was tiny and there were like, I don't know, 10 cars parked. But sometimes you have like this sunk cost fallacy where I pulled in, I was like, man, I don't want to be here because everyone's going to know I'm visiting, but I'm there and I got nothing, nowhere else to go. So I go in and they had a guest pastor. His name was Carter Singer. And he preached a sermon from Ephesians five about Jesus being our hope, inspiration and preservation. Still remember that 20 plus years later, wow. changed my life. Uh, talked to Carter afterward. And he says, what the heck are you doing out in the middle of the, of the boonies visiting a church, come to heritage Presbyterian church. And so I uh, started attending there in uh, 2000, summer 2001, I believe, uh, was discipled by Chuck Garriott, who started Ministry to State, and Carter Singer, who's an EPC pastor now in the Houston area, suburbs of Houston. And uh, those couple of years changed my life. And I met my wife, Jennifer, in 02, and then we uh, got married in March of 03 and uh, moved to Covenant, moved to St. Louis, like, seven weeks later, uh, and I attended Covenant Theological Seminary, and uh, that was very important for me. And uh, then we ended up in Western Pennsylvania, and I did an MA in history and worked part-time at an old PCA church 
in Greene County and I was ordained in 08 and then moved to Norman, <laughs> Oklahoma after church planning assessment, met Doug, stole his office before I ever met him. And uh, we became good friends while we were both, he was at OURUF and I was serving at Christ the King Presbyterian for about a year and a half, two years. And then we planted together City Presbyterian Church a little over 10 years ago. Okay, stop. And I'm stopping. Oh, good yeah. gracious. A lot. Jeez, said, okay, quit. so wait, we, we had a lot of touch points in there. So Chuck Garriott, who's been on our podcast, who we all love, right? Yep. And he, he was he was really the person that got you into the PCA after you met Carter, right? Yeah, I'd say Chuck is the most influential. Yeah, because he and I still see one another and talk on the phone. Um, I, I, I wrote a couple chapters from one of his books. Um, I spent so time where, where did Jennifer go to college? She went to Grove City College in Western mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Not Geneva? Nope, not Geneva. You know, there's a Geneva Grove City feud. Geneva thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah. So there's a lot of like webs uh, that were in yeah. here. And uh, who are your favorite Covenant Seminary professors? You know, uh, Sean Lucas was teaching there at the time, and Sean's a dear friend. Uh, we we stay in touch. Uh, he taught me how to write. Uh, he taught me how to be a better critical thinker, um, how to integrate theology and history together. I did independent study with him, a Jonathan Edwards seminar, some other stuff. Uh, we've done some academic panels. So we've had a very close relationship with him, a very a decent relationship with Dr. Dalby. I worked for him when I edited The Courier for a couple of years and we've stayed in touch. Uh, Greg Perry was very influential. We've stayed in touch since then. Uh, Dr. Calhoun, uh, oh my goodness. Uh, he was just a wonderful dear man and so kind to me. Uh, when I released, a, I got a contract for this small book um, from Christian Focus and Calhoun was kind enough to write a blurb in it for me. And that really meant a lot. Uh, to kind of have that validation from someone that I just really looked up to. And uh, I was very sad when he passed away a couple years ago, Uh, Mm -hmm. but he was just a sweet, sweet man. And, uh, you know, uh, Zach Eswine was also important because I took him for homiletics. uh, And uh, he, I still refer to some of his feedback that he gave to students just with how gentle gentle he is and just kind and I think I think those all those men were just very kind to me and that really um meant a lot meant a lot it's awesome those are all great guys you mentioned man and I'm glad it was so impactful for you yeah so uh you did talk you know Pensacola Christian College so I have to ask one or two questions about that like uh so my school, they always used to come and do their visits, you know, to recruit students to come to school yeah. there. Yeah, and, with the uh, quartets or whatever. Yeah, dude. And I was like, no, no way in hell will I ever go to school there. <laughs> but what was like the weirdest uh, rule that you uh, experienced there at Pensacola Christian College? 
Uh, oh, dear God. Um, you're going to edit that out. Sorry. Uh, dear Lord, <laughs> help me as I think about this. Uh, you know, I... One weird rule. So again, I would have said at the time that I was a Calvinist, uh, you weren't allowed to talk about that uh, uh, in a positive way. Uh, you just you weren't allowed to talk about it. Um, so that was always strange because that was very central to who I was as a Christian. Um, if you want to talk about the whole like... Uh, you know, Did God, I mean, when I, when they came to our place, they would say, you know, guys walked on one side of the street and girls on the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was actually about to yeah. head there. I was say, if you want yeah, to talk yeah. about the, the pink and blue sidewalk thing. Yeah, yeah. That's figurative. But yeah, like after dark, it 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 was a literal uh, actual rule to like not be in mixed company because, you know, uh, you uh uh, apparently when it gets dark, you're not able to control yourself. That's true. Uh, but I, I never, I, I was always awkward. Um, so I never didn't go on a single like date or anything in college. Uh, I had a girlfriend for my freshman and sophomore year back home, but I just really wasn't interested in dating I don't know. So you didn't have to worry about the pink and blue side. I, I didn't care. I just, yeah. I kind of just hung out with my friends and still just did whatever I wanted to a degree. Um, did you ever have a professor named James McDonald? I don't remember that name, but I don't yeah. think so. He was my high school English teacher. Okay. And he eventually went to Pensacola. He's still there, actually. He still teaches. Oh, wow. There. He's a, he's a, he's actually, he's a really great guy. That's uh, funny. He's actually one of yeah, the good actually. ones. He is one of the good ones. Yeah, that's We'll great. have to ask Mark Corbett. Uh, he, he, we should have him on that. But he went to something and he would say that whenever someone went liberal at yeah. his school, they went to Pensacola Christian College. So wherever he was at was more conservative or crazy or whatever than Pensacola. That's, that could, I don't even know what that, that, that is. That could be something like a Hiles Anderson College outside of Chicago and in Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a couple others that are like connected to a church first, as opposed to something like Pensacola that like created their own church after the college started. Because um, you weren't like allowed to go to other churches in the area you had to go to their little campus thing that they had unless you were local and had already were already a member of somewhere but like they controlled your life from the time you woke up until you went to bed and right yeah. okay so let's not spend any more time on we don't that. need to talk about it anymore hey if you're out there and you would graduate from there look at look what happened Find, it turned out great so there's get a counselor. Great, great <laughs> counseling, Bobby. Let's. I just want to ask you about your PhD. You mentioned yeah. it. I don't, I don't think yeah. we'll come back to it. I don't know really what yeah, the place yeah. is. But tell us what your research was, your specific focus, uh, and and what what that has meant to you. Yeah. So I'll be super quick. Uh, I wrote a doctoral dissertation um, at the University of Oklahoma about. Uh, the Presbyterian fundamentalist Carl McIntyre and uh, his role in the formation of the modern conservative movement and how, and I made the case that fundamentalists 
uh, paved the way for uh, modern day evangelicals to be part of the conservative movement. And I looked at the business side of things, culture wars, end time stuff, uh, the sexual revolution, um, you know, with like battles over sex ed and, and gay rights and the ERA amendment. Um, mm. I looked at civil rights. My MA thesis covered Carl McIntyre and his opposition to civil rights. And then I had a chapter about anti-civil rights um, in the book. I mean, not in the book. Uh, if I would write a stupid proposal, it could be a book. But yeah, that was a labor, uh, it was a hard labor of love that we, it took us 10 years to finish the PhD. Uh, don't recommend adopting, planting a church and writing a couple books while you're doing a PhD. Uh, you will lose your sanity um, and potentially other things. So we've been talking about fundamentalism and you just yeah. talked a little bit about it in your, yeah, yeah. In your uh, PhD. Does that apply uh, anymore to us in the... Presbyterian world. <laughs> uh, uh, this, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I think, so it all depends on how you want to define fundamentalist. So, you know, interesting, you read it, you can see interesting ideas on, so on the social medias, uh, the, the, the interwebs. And, and I would say that if you, you know, the joke about like a fundamentalist is someone who's angry about something. Eh, there's always going to be angry people, no matter what you think. But I, I do, there are rumblings of that. Uh, you definitely see um, a lot. And one of the things about fundamentalists and say when the sexual revolution happened, for example, they weren't prepared for that. Uh, mm -hmm. They didn't have a strong ecclesial tradition. Uh, they weren't, you know, even Carl McIntyre wasn't leaning into what he claimed was his confessional heritage with Westminster. And so they're just like starting from scratch. And instead of going to the scriptures or leaning in on their confessional heritage, you know, a lot of things that they were saying didn't sound any different than non-Christian, uh, non-Christian right-wing reactionaries. Mm -hmm. And so... I, I wonder sometimes, uh, I, I see rumblings of things that are hallmarks of fundamentalism, like, you know, secondary separation. That's a real inside jaw, inside word. But, you know, it would be, you see that, you see some of that come up. Uh, the anger, uh, the anger is definitely there. We're in a strange cultural moment. Um, that I think we've been in since about 2007, but we weren't honest about it. And I often wonder how much of, how, how many of us are being more discipled by news media and um, rather than the scriptures and, and just sort of deep theological formation. Uh, and, and so, you know, and, so I, I, I kind of see that. I think some of the some of the very negative reactions, in in part, just evangelicalism in general, against someone like Beth Allison Barr or Kristen Dumay, uh, like just the vitriol thrown at Dumay about Jesus and John Wayne, just doesn't seem to make sense to me because she's not saying a whole heck of a lot different than 
things written by male scholars like Kevin Cruz or Darren Dochuk. But man, you didn't see people go after those two guys. And, um, you know, uh, there was also a, recently a, uh, a theologian who's not Presbyterian, um, uh, but he's evangelical, uh, posted a tweet about women need to have long hair, you know, like long hair and men have short hair. And it was very reminiscent of John R. Rice's, who's a famous fundamentalist, his book called uh, Bobbed Hair, Bossy Wives and Women Preachers back in the 1930s. But it's like this whole throwback mm-hmm. to like, I don't know what. And, and I just wonder when, you know, someone's going to come out with a th- serious think piece about like, why are our church planners having man buns, you know? And then people just like outright accepting it and it going viral. Uh, so it's, it's super strange. Uh, Twitter's a weird medium, uh, you know, social media is strange. It is. It definitely is. That is profound, Bobby. Wow. I don't know if it's, it's not profound at all. Okay. So not being profound. I'm actually being quite evasive. (laughs) We're, we're going to take the break and Bobby, you have got to listen to, and Justin, you too, Otis Pickett's our friend, Otis Pickett. He's a professor in Mississippi, Mississippi college at Mississippi college. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he did a, he did one of the talks at beautiful orthodoxy, and it's so great to hear historians because they get to tell this story and it's not their story. And it's so awesome. It, it was such a, one of the best talks of the whole time. So, so you'll check that out when it comes in. We're at the break. We're talking to one of my favorite people in the world, one of my best friends in the world, Bobby Griffith. And we're going to come back right after this little ad. Stay tuned. We're going to get into more stuff and then we'll get into the other stuff and then we'll leave out a bunch of stuff. This podcast is brought to you by Storied Publishing. We publish books with redemptive themes. Check out our growing list of titles at storied.pub. Let us help you take your book from idea to a finished product that you can hold in your hands. Contact us today at storied.pub. podcast we're glad that you're with us we're here with bobby griffith and uh i'm gonna ask some questions about a little church plant that took place in oklahoma city that both doug and bobby started so i guess the first question guys is like how did we get to this place of both planting this church and then kind of co-planting which was you know kind of a unique model 
of, of planting a church? Yeah. Uh, so two quick things. Number one, uh, I was really bored in one of my seminary classes one day, and it was one that I shouldn't have been bored in. I'm not going to say what it was. Sorry, Hans Beyer. And, uh, (laughs) I was doodling on, uh, I was doodling on a little sheet of paper about, you know, places in the Oklahoma city Metro area, how large I thought the church could be, what style, even down to like what the minister would wear. And I wrote like downtown Oklahoma city and wrote like urban liturgical was the, what I called it. And, uh, which is really just like indelible grace, right? Urban liturgical robes, blah, blah, blah. That was like 2005, 2006 meet Doug 2009. We formed this fast friendship. Uh, I was in Oklahoma in Norman to be a church planting apprentice I'd initially thought that I would just, we would stay in Norman cause we had, we loved college town vibes and it just didn't work out that way. And, uh, in November of 2010, if I'm remembering the history correctly, Doug had thought that he was going, he knew it was going to be his last year of RUF at OU. He thought there was a potential of going to back home to Springfield, Missouri to plant a church I really wasn't sure what the heck that I would do because it was clear that the doors were closing in on us staying in Norman, also a really terrible fundraiser. And so it's Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, 2010, I'm pacing in my backyard while Doug and I are talking on the phone. He's telling me he's not going to kind of get to go to Springfield after he's done at OU. And I say, because we joked about planting a church together a couple times, and I say something to the effect of, well, what if we do the thing that we've been joking about? And he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, what if we just plant a church together? Hmm. And he was like, well, where would that happen? I said, well, it's two of us, so it'd have to be near downtown Oklahoma City because that's the only way that would work, uh, if I'm remembering the conversation correctly. And... One thing led to another. He and I, because we're both psychotic, uh, we wrote this 25-page vision document in like three, I feel like three days. It could have been longer. A three-day binge. A three-day binge. Uh, We both have have OCD. Like I'm diagnosed with OCD. So like if I fixate, I can get stuff done. And so I was preaching for Jeremy Fair in Arlington, Texas, following the day after the big 12 championship where OU spanked Nebraska at Jerry world. And I scheduled lunch with the director of the Southwest church planning network, Bill Thomas, who for some weird reason chose that we would eat at Chili's. <laughs> oh, that's I mean, awesome. We had not only, on the podcast. Not only are we eating in a restaurant on the Lord's day, we're eating at Chili's. But I digress. So I guess two sins took place. I don't know, but you get three free sins. And so I hand him this printout and it was like a vision for downtown Oklahoma city. And the cover looked really bad. And Bill said, I don't even need to read it. Cause it said by Bobby, by Doug Servan and Bobby Griffith. He said, I don't even need to read it. We're doing it. Cause that's just how Bill is. And then like the next thing I knew, the next thing we knew, you know, this is December of 2010, we've got logos and banners. 
and I don't think Doug even had an M&A account at the time, but like stuff started moving really fast. And, uh, we had our first, we started having small group, we had interest meetings and started our interest meetings throughout 2011, um, started small groups in the fall of 2011 with one worship service a month in from September, October, November, and December, and then launched weekly services uh, the second Sunday, I believe the second Sunday of January in 2012. Mm. And it went crazy. And uh, we bought a building November. We closed on a building November 1st, 2013, like the last sort of legitimate church building in downtown Midtown, Oklahoma city. And uh, things, it was a, it was a great, great run for quite a while uh you know um wonderful community of people uh welcoming people who had been detached from their faith who were burned by the church burned by life circumstances uh seeing people come back to christ uh seeing people seeing adults come to christ for the first time you know, baptizing people from countries that are so, you know, that are hot zones where they can't be baptized in their country, baptizing, like, I don't know, dude, how many times we baptize what 30, 30, 40 babies a year. It seemed like from 2013 to 2018, um, the music was exactly what I always imagined in my head. You know, there's a story about how Jim Morrison knew how the doors would sound before he ever put together the doors. And like when we had our music on Sundays, I just, every single Sunday was like, this is the sound that I've always heard in my head for what Mm -hmm. worship should be like. Um, Weekly communion, all sorts of things in Oklahoma city. That time when we planted Oklahoma city was this sort of like renaissance phase. I don't know what they're at now, but the thunder got really popular and good just as we were planting. And so it felt like we were part of that momentum. There was a lot of economic redevelopment happening. There was a lot of church planting happening. And it was this weird, like three or four years where God was just super kind. And we got to be a part of, this cool thing that was happening. And then um, like, that was it for that part of Oklahoma city. And like right now, church planning is not happening the way it was 10 years ago. And uh, you know, we were just very, very fortunate to be able to partner together and be used to uh, create something. And we said this, it was that so people would see that Jesus was believable and beautiful. And um, that was what we tried to do. I I always thought, I mean, just, yeah, I I modeled a lot of our ethos, at least on paper, the communication of that from you guys. Cause I always, I thought y'all did such a great job. Uh, Doug did a, did did the did the heavy lifting with a lot of that. Yeah, and it was uh, uh, I think it was a special time. You guys were part of a special thing. Uh, Doug, why don't you like add any uh, 
any favorite Bobby memory to this <laughs> story? Um, oh, sober memories. Sober memories. Um, I don't know if I can do that without crying. crying. Yeah, that's good. It's okay to cry. The beautiful, unbelievable things. Zach S. Wine said, you teach us with your tears. That's my va- very favorite Zach S. Wine thing from uh, Homiletics. A guy broke down crying in the middle of his sermon and apologized mm-hmm. in the sermon review. And he goes, don't worry, brother. You teach us with your tears. It's not so good on a podcast, actually. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a special time. Um, Bobby... Favorite Bobby memories. There are just so many. So uh, playing guitar with the band sometimes. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, Bobby had his had a roast for one of his birthdays, and that was amazing to get to do. That was when I turned we had some cool, cool parties. We always just like to surprise people with our parties. Um. <laughs> Yeah, but really just ministry in the city together was was uh, really more than I could ask for. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Good chapter of you guys' lives, for sure. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So, I Bobby, don't... now you're in uh, in in a different denomination. Just I tell am. us just a minute about that, what it is, and what how that's going. Yeah. Through. So, I think you're the uh, first person we've had on who left not the in PCA. PCA. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so we were, uh, Jennifer and I decided to move back to Western Pennsylvania. Her parents were turning 70. Uh, We wanted to be, we wanted, we wanted our son, Sammy, who we adopted uh, to have a better chance to be around uh, his grandparents, uh, that set of grandparents, and also, you know, school districts, quality of life, that sort of thing. And so we, uh, uh, I started applying at different, uh, churches that were, you know, more of a, uh, within an hour of where, uh, Jen's parents lived, but also more vision and mission fit rather than just, you know, that needed to be Presbyterian vision, mission fit. And so, um, uh, just connected really well, uh, with this church, Westfield Presbyterian church established 1803. Uh, their core core values were very similar, uh, Mm -hmm. to city Prez, uh, in terms of the three things they were going after with worship community and service. Uh, also, uh, it was, a much needed break after uh, a lot of sort of mental health issues that plagued me um, from about 2017 to 2019, 2020 ish to go somewhere that was very established um, slower pace, even though I feel like I'm in more meetings now than I've ever been in my life. And Doug knows just how much I love meetings. A lot. Uh, yeah. Um, I was the guy who would always skip them, but I digress. Uh, you know, uh, with, uh, so that meant I had a transfer from the PCA to eco. Uh, it was, uh, it's, it's a bit of a different culture than the PCA. Um, I just attended my first, uh, 
eco-centered national meeting set of meetings and um, quite a bit uh, different culture since they more recently came out of the PCUSA about, you know, 10 years ago. And so uh, right now the stage that they're at is what you might say, the sort of kumbaya stage where everyone's buddies. And uh, uh, so there's a lot less, uh, seems like they took some of the best things from PCUSA culture and tried to make it into a new denomination, if that makes sense. So strong trust in the institution, um, of the denomination and then also, uh, some of the best things, at least corporately as a denomination and as presbyteries, you know, with respect to centering everything on worship and the scriptures, uh, I, I was kind of shocked. Um, and this isn't a comparison. It was just a cultural difference. Uh, eco is very much sort of West coast, California Presbyterians, um, and Florida Presbyterian. So it's more, uh, if we're going to just put it on the spectrum, the low church evangelical with a lot of like, uh, worship music, modern worship music. So it was kind of surprising, uh, for to go to what we'd call a general assembly. And that's all the worship music as we're in Highland Park Presbyterian church, but that was cool. Um, you know, uh, it's it's been a good fit. I, I've appreciated the emphasis on um, uh, holistic uh, ministry health. They they put a lot into healthy, you know, like trying to make sure that all the ministers are healthy in terms of not just theologically healthy, but emotionally, spiritually, physically healthy. Uh, do that with churches too. Um, but it's, you know, it's still a small denomination, um, just a pinch under the size of the EPC. Uh, but it's been, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, you know, so if as, anyone, someone who's, as someone who's left, give yeah. us, uh, you know, 30 seconds of advice. <laughs> Be kind one to another. <laughs> That's good. That's good advice. Actually. I'm quoting the Bible. Be kind Amen. to another. I'm quoting the Bible, not Mr. Rogers. Um, or as we would say at Pensacola Christian College, be ye kind one to another. <laughs> there you go, Bobby. I'm sure everyone can email Bobby if you want to hear his actual advice. Um, all right. So, Bobby, we are also looking at other PCAs. Yeah. Since um, we are not the only PCA in the A. We have talked about the Porsche Club of America. We've talked about concrete. We've talked about poodles, photos, professional cricketers. So today, this is a, not a website, Justin. So I don't know. I think it's going to be short. But I wanted to get our take. And I don't, I don't know if we're going to even be able to rate it. The Progressive Citizens of America. Ooh. Progressive citizens of america some would say this is our podcast doug i know i know i know so um you're gonna find a wikipedia article as what i guess you're gonna get and uh so we don't really get to to vote on this exactly but this was a political party so this is bobby would know a lot about this i would guess I was just thinking about the book that I had to read on the popular front uh, about making culture during the new deal that I read for David Chappelle and also was quizzed about in my PhD. Yeah. Uh, 
um, exams. You could probably talk about this for an hour, but now you get to talk about it for 10 seconds. What do you think? Should we, should we constitute this? Reconstitute? <laughs> I mean, people are saying we are this. You know, uh, uh, in the I, PCA politically, let me just like, not this, what we're talking about on this website. Talking about, I, you know, I know you, Doug, very well, and I, I can't see you at fully as someone who is uh, uh, a social support is a, is like all in on social democracy. Uh, like, um, you know, Doug and I knew each other so well that we knew who one another voted for. And I won't, I won't say anything, but like, you know, between me and Doug, I'm the only one who ever went to a Bernie Sanders rally. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you picture with? Uh, you know, and between me and Doug, I'm the only one uh, who lived across the street from Elizabeth Warren's childhood home and have my picture taken with her. So, you know, I would say that wing of politics is very, you're more, you're more going to find it in some of the, cons, the theologically conservative Scottish Presbyterians than any conservative American Presbyterians. All right. You're right. Justin, what do you think about the progressive citizens of America? So was this like uh, a post like uh, Roosevelt deal, New Deal and all that? Uh, the, so the Popular Front formed during the New Deal, and then this group galvanized because uh, and, and organized and, and made a run against Truman uh, because because they saw Truman they saw the new the third the third implementation of the new deal is being too conservative and too close to business. And so what they wanted was, you know, what you have in Europe is a modern social democracy where there's a bare minimum, you know, there's a living wage for everyone. There's access to social things like healthcare, uh, the right to vote, um, you know, black What's interesting is like uh, James Cagney, Frank Sinatra, Betty Davis, yeah. Lena Horne, all were members of the, this PCA. Yeah. Here's what I like about that is if you lifted some of this out of context, right? If yeah. You, if you get on Midway on October 15th, 1947, Eleanor Roosevelt attacked the PCA in her My Day column. That, that's awesome, right? <laughs> in 1948, the PCA backed Henry Wallace as a candidate for the U.S. president. Gregory the Peck testified, on, right? They're doing stuff. Yeah. Gregory Peck testified that he had been a member of the PCA and had resigned when offered to join its executive board, at which time he learned more about how it, its true aims and activities were subversive. Ooh. Ooh. Healthcare yeah. for all is subversive. Already, I would say Sorry. this PCA is more interesting than our PCA, right? We have a PCA website. We don't have that stuff. That's true. What are they going to no. say about us on Wikipedia? <laughs> well, they're they're basically going to think we're PCC people, Pensacola Christian College people, essentially. Did, Bobby, did we end up getting a City Press Wikipedia page? There is a City Press Wikipedia page. Oh. Uh, I, I never made it. So because we, here's how it happened, is that because we purchased a building that was on the National Historic Registry, somehow, and this was not myself or Doug, um, I uh, somehow 
an injury was created and, and they claimed that city Prez was a notable church in the PCA. Wow. Which I don't know what that means to be notable. Uh, you know, uh, I, yeah, I don't know who did it, but, but they, I do know you were glad to see it when it happened. I was very happy. Like who doesn't want their name on Wikipedia in a good way? That's true. That's true. So. All right. So we're not voting on this one, but I wanted to throw it out there. Right. Is that fair? Justin? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at them and they don't seem any different than, uh, this, the, the Christian, the, 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 uh, Christian Democrats of, in that are in uh, South America. So, you know, I don't know. So, you know, I don't know. You're right. So, you know, I don't know. PCA seems nice. Go ahead. Sorry. It is so good to talk to you. Tell Sammy and Javi that I said howdy. Yeah. And uh, Jen, of course. Yeah. So glad I got to see you and my wanderings. Yeah. And then I got to see you in Dallas recently. So that's amazing. I am very grateful that we got to do this important work together. Yeah, I I look back at it fondly. I I, I do. Uh, yeah, um, I always uh, your last Sunday, Doug. Uh, um, there's a sweet picture that that uh, Caitlin Martin took of us hugging, and it just made me. Uh, and it was during communion, and the the screen grab from the song says, "And it makes us long for the wedding feast." Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made me think of that. Uh, um, quote at the end of F. Scott Fitzgerald's uh, essay on the Roaring Twenties as he's staring into the Depression. He says, it all seems rosy and romantic to us who were young then because we will never feel quite so intensely about our surroundings anymore. Mm-hmm. And to me, that means sometimes you get to participate in something that is just beyond your wildest expectations and dreams. And you look back at that very fondly, no matter what. Yeah. Amen. That's a great way to close out. Thanks for listening to IRPCA. And we'll come back to you soon enough. Right? Right. Oh, yeah. Shut